there are over 75 million monthly Tubi viewers. That's more people than there are golden retrievers. Which means Tubi is more popular than using meat-flavored toothpaste. More popular than never figuring out what W-A-L-K spells. More popular than kicking your leg when a human rubs your belly just right. Tubi. It's more popular than golden retrievers. See you in there. Remember the Thai cave rescue? What about the mission depicted in Black Hawk Down or the epic rescue shown in Captain Phillips? You've probably heard of all of these. But did you know that the U.S. Air Force Special Warfare played a pivotal role in all of them? These airmen are the most highly trained warriors on the planet. Other forces like the SEALs and Army Rangers call on them to provide skills no one else can. Not many people make the cut. If you think you can, visit AirForce.com to learn more. Hello, TV Club. Just a few things before we get to our guest today. I'm really excited about this episode. Obviously, we got to talk about that White Lotus finale. And I'm going to do that. I'm going to put a heads up on it so you don't listen to any spoilers if you haven't watched yet. So first, I'm going to talk to you about the Golden Globes. Then we'll get into it. So this is your warning. I'm going to talk about the White Lotus finale. The Golden Globe nominations came out. I do feel like there are some surprises here. I was shocked about the nominations Wednesday got, I guess because I have not watched Wednesday at all. I felt Io was snubbed for the bear. Really wish that she had been nominated. Hoped that we would get to see that. Again, really shocked by the success of Inventing Anna, but really happy to see the dropout getting more recognition. Uh, I did actually, though, I did want uh, The Staircase to get more nominations. So yeah, I, again, I love that one. Uh, but uh, But again, it's the Golden Globes. How much do we take that is how how seriously do we take the Golden Globes? <laughs> you know, I, I know they they promise more diversity, uh, not as much, not not with not what we wanted. Uh, the diversity was really just well, we love Abbott Elementary. That's all the diversity. That's what they enjoyed, and really just in the comedy category. When it comes to drama, our diversity remains Euphoria and Zendaya. So you know, again, it's the Golden Globes, and they're they're doing what they do at the Golden Globes. But hey, I guess they're back. And are we happy about it? It's it's just kind of a lot of the same. It's honestly a lot of the same. And I don't like that Dahmer got a lot of nods. Eh, sorry, Golden Globes. You didn't do enough to pull me back in here. So here we go. Here, Here's your warning. I'm talking about White Lotus right here, right now, and that finale. Look, it took me some time. I was disappointed. I was truly disappointed when it ended and I sat there, the credits started rolling, and... All I could think was, well, why didn't she take her high heels off? Why? That's so silly and dumb. And then it's like, well, of course, because she's silly and dumb. It was really the only place they could take her character and that plot. So I respect it, even if the dead body wasn't who we wanted it to be at all. No one wanted that. Uh, Early in the season, I said Portia was the villain. And I was right. I was right. Portia remains the villain through the end. Does she go back and support a woman? No. She's just like, I guess I'll stay at the airport in the ugliest outfit and leave all my ugly clothes in Italy. Which, fine, fair enough, her clothes were ugly. Our, our central couples 
they, you know, that kind of played out how I thought it would basically just, you know, intense mind game swinging or something like they're just like, got you, got you. Now we're all happy. So, hey, you know, I, I think all we can agree on here is that Daphne absolutely amazing. But hey, Kareem, my guest a few weeks ago, his theory ended up being right. Basically, Gary and this these, this band of gays came together to kill her so that they could get the money. So, hey, I did think that was where it was going. Uh, also, a lot of people were like, oh, you know, Lucia and the guy, she actually didn't need the money. I thought that was set up from the beginning. Like, that guy is in the pilot and they're very, like, friendly to each other. And then he's only ever mean when, when Albie was with her. So I was like, oh, clearly this is fake. Uh, and then, yeah, it worked out for her. So this was the season where women came out on top. Women helping women. Valentina. She really was the winner of the season, Valentina. I can't be upset because she was my girl. You know, the critics didn't really like White Lotus season two. I have to say I loved it. I really liked it. I kind of liked it more than the first. Maybe mostly because it gave us Daphne, the best, like, person who ever cheated on her husband. <laughs> Yes, the trainer is the father to her kids. Well, that was the whole thing about her being able to cut Cameron's balls off at any time by being like, your kids aren't even your kids. Anyway, we're going to get to my guest today. And also, I know last week I, I did give you like a big hint about a guest. That guest is it's coming up in a few weeks. I know I teased you on the. OK, I'm just going to say it. Jason Manzukis. Yeah. Yeah, Jason Manzukis. We switched some things around because I wanted you to hear from these two brilliant people about the year of TV. This week, though, we have Jacqueline Coley and Jorge Olivares. So get ready for that. Sit back. Welcome to TV I Say with Ashley Ray, your go-to podcast for discovering what to watch on TV and getting behind-the-scenes insight from the people who make the shows you love. We're approaching the end of a phenomenal year of TV, so I thought it'd be the perfect time to not only recap the best TV of 2022, but look ahead to what new shows could hit it big in 2023. And who better to talk to about this than my amazing guest? Joining the TV club today, we have Rotten Tomatoes editor Jacqueline Coley and podcaster, cultural commentator, and creator of Hey Jorge and friend of the podcast, Jorge Olivares. You did it. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining me today. I am just big fans of both of your work. How are you doing? What, what are you excited about? I mean, honestly, for me personally, the fact that it's almost the end of 2022, which was a rough one. Let's be real. Like oh, TV yeah. was the distraction from a lot of things that you didn't want to be thinking of. But I'm sort of like ready to turn the page. I'm feeling good energy for 2023, which means it's going to be awful. But I'm going into it positively. <laughs> yeah, you go in positive. Uh, one of my favorite things about Rotten Tomatoes is I think it gives you a good sense of like what the people want, like what the people are into. And I feel like we saw that like positive shows dominated the Rotten Tomatoes like audience choices. Yes, they did. I would say positive shows dominated, but there was also sort of this air of like, you don't trust your neighbor and we're just going to lean into that a little bit too. Like there was a little <laughs> bit of that as well. Like, yeah, people wanted to fall in love and maybe find a little like way to, tr to heal the trauma. But they also wanted to admit like the government's out to get us and no one's coming to save you. Yeah. Yeah. There was I a lot like of that. she's talking about the watcher. Like, there's, yeah, the there's watcher. Five days. So I was like the watcher five days at Memorial. <laughs> I mean, but severance. Also, like, Andor and, like, Severance. <laughs> and, like, to a certain extent, Stranger Things. Those kids have been through so much. So much. Never any adult. So, yeah, why, why doesn't <laughs> someone step in for those kids? Jorge, how are you doing? 
I feel like 2022 reminded me just how codependent I am with my partner and our viewing Ooh. habits. Like, there were so many different shows that we thought, uh, I'd be mad if you saw this without me. And even with our codependency, we got through a lot of shows this year. And I feel like the streaming services know too much of information about me. I have too many accounts, too much money's being spent. But yeah. I did benefit from it because I feel like, I, so I made a list of all the different shows that I very much appreciated this year. I feel like they can be found everywhere. So yeah. shout out to all the people making money off of my sister who I borrow an account from. Oh, yeah. I <laughs> Somehow I got stuck being the person who has all the accounts. Uh, it's so much money. I try to balance between like when like I know, oh, something will be on Apple TV. I'll go to that and then like cancel Peacock for a while. You know, I try mm -hmm. to rotate it in and out, but they know too much. They know way they too much. Know. Like I had a category on Peacock that was like, extreme couch like couch potato like like stoner playlist like shows and i was just <laughs> like what like how do you know that i mean you probably because i watched that 70s show for like eight hours but still yeah not come on you don't have to you don't have to throw it in my face like that <laughs> i think yeah for me 2022 was tv wise really was a look at my mental health uh, a, a lot of shows that again yeah, tried like made me happy but then at the same time a lot of shows where I realized if I was watching them a lot, I probably wasn't doing okay. You know, if you've if you've watched four seasons of, you know, 90 Day Fiance or or Below Deck in three days, maybe something's wrong. Nothing's wrong. It's just that Andy Cohen has gotten into your brain and knows you so well that he's just crafted Bravo to be everything that you <laughs> and your friend group would ever want to watch in perpetuity. <laughs> I actually, I just got really into Below Deck Mediterranean. I, I was talking about me. I'm the one who can't stop watching it. And I just watched my first Andy Cohen hosted reunion because I, I don't really watch him. Like sometimes I I'll watch Watch What Happens. But yeah, I, this was my first like, okay, Andy's hosting. Let's see how he does. I did not think he did a good job. Like he, uh, sorry. So I I just don't be sorry for, about it. It's new year, new you. I mean, it's your opinion. And I, I, yeah, it's just maybe it's because I'm used to the hard hitting Sean Robinson of the 90 Day Fiance universe. Ooh, yeah. You know, when she's hosting a reunion, she pulls out all the questions. She's throwing punches. She's like, oh, you haven't talked to Mike since June. Well, we have Mike mm -hmm. backstage. And it's like, oh, OK. <laughs> but Ooh, Andy was just softballs. Can you he know. do that, though, at this point? Because he's, like, friends with half of these women. He's like, friends it's, with it's, half of them, and he's also very much a character in the reunion. He's not just a, yeah, a standalone, sub subjective, um, like, not subjective, objective moderator. He yeah. is somebody who knows that when people come to watch these reunions, they also want to know what, what questions he's going to ask, the reactions he's going to get, what memes are going to yeah. be made yeah. from his reactions. Like, uh, he's yeah. in on it. So I think he's in he, on it, yeah. It changes. <laughs> Yeah, that is a good breakdown. Yeah, I feel like with 90 Day Fiance, there's respect for Sean Robinson. Like the people are like, you know, dope, Sean is talking, but they, the other, Bravo, they're just there to hang with Andy. They're just like, hey, you know, whatever. Because they, they know he's cutting the checks. I don't even yeah. think it's that. I don't even think it's that. I think it's more of like, he knows where his bread is buttered. They were know where their bread is buttered. And he's just like, y'all, this is on y'all to be entertaining. I need to set this up. And then whatever y'all are dealing with is going to provide the entertainment. I don't need to manage this. And if I need to manage this, then we did a bad job at casting. True. 
See, this is why you're the two TV experts. See, exactly. <laughs> so I want to start with the watch list. Uh, this <clears throat> past week was kind of the last big week of, of network TV, of, you know, before we go on our, our Christmas hiatus for a lot of shows. Uh, what have you been watching? Man, I just got Andor started finally. I know I'm like the last person to finally start that. And between, like, it's very interesting. I feel like Andor calls, unfortunately, in this whole idea of like, existing IP, big budget television shows. We film this like mini movie, which they all like to tell us when they're doing it. Um, I just, I honestly feel Andor is the top of all of that. Like it really marries like the drama of our prestige television with an incredible storyline. And then also the fact that this is IP that we're already, or if you are obsessed with it, you're already very glad to sort of dip in deeper um, of all the shows that tried to marry that, Rings of Power, oh, yeah. uh, I would say um, Interview with a Vampire. There's just so many of them. Um, even the Obi Wan series, this this show did it the best without without fail. Yeah, I, I gotta agree with that one. Yeah, I, I also knocked that out over the last week. I need to add that to my list because that's one of the ones that I have not seen because I have spent, I think um, Hulu has started to recognize more and more my homosexuality. So Welcome to Chippendales (laughs) is the first thing that keeps popping up. And it's like, hi, you want to see Kumal Nanjiani like act a fool in front of all these people in the 1980s? Um, It's funny because I feel like Murray Bartlett, who is the actor in Welcome to Chippendales, won an Emmy for The White Lotus. Like, he's having this huge resurgence. Oh, yeah. He came to prominence in Looking, which was in the early 2010s. And now he's on everybody's list. Yeah. So I'm excited to just see a queer actor like him working. Um, But yeah, I just... That's what I've spent the past week watching is Welcome to Chippendales and like trying to figure out whether I care for it or if the eye candy is doing its due diligence. Yes. And I feel like I mean, it might be the latter. Why question? Why question? Yeah. <laughs> Just you enjoy it. You can enjoy the thrive. eye candy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because uh, I don't think they wrote it to be different. So I don't think you should question. I think it's meant to lull you in because like, you do you know the story at all? So, so I, I'm an awful person because I don't sometimes enjoy the TV show. I'm watching it and then go down my Wikipedia rabbit hole as I'm watching it. So it's like, oh, Steve Banerjee. And just like, do, 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 go to his Wikipedia page, see what happens. And then like, give myself too much insight on what I should probably be allowing to unfold well, on screen. Yeah. So, well, wait a minute. That's what I would say. I think that's a good thing because knowing where it goes, the fact that you're being lulled by eye candy right now, I think may be deliberate. Yeah, because exactly. Because it's sort of like, mm. it's about to get really dark. So like, yeah. <laughs> so, this summer, uh, A&E did a documentary, The Chippendale Murders. It came out at the same time as the uh, the Playboy Bunny documentary they did. So I watched both of them and now I already know the story. So I'm kind of like, uh, you know, I watched the first two episodes and was like, I'll get I'll get around to the rest of it when it all comes out. You know, I don't feel the the lull because I, I know where it's going. So I think that's the way to come into it. I think so. I will also say that the actors that they have are top notch. Like Juliette Lewis, put her in anything. I'll be happy. And they're even though she kind of goes for the same type of character, they're all distinct in their own way. Very separate from Yellow Jackets. Also, I'm happy to see Annalie Ashford, who plays Kumal Nanjiani's wife on the show. She's fantastic. Like She's been an actress for the past several years, was on Broadway, was in Kinky Boots. And uh, I think the last thing she was on was Masters of Sex, which was 
quite a while ago. Yeah, um, that was a long time ago. Yeah, so she's she's amazing. I think the top four people on the show are what's drawing me in. So uh, I think I'll I'll end the night at Chippendales and then yeah. start the morning in Andor, so I can see. That, that's where a good it takes balance. Me. You just reminded mm-hmm. me I never finished Master of Sex. Never finished it. It was one of those where it started off really nicely and then petered out in a way where I was just upset. I had so much promise. And then Lizzie Kaplan. I'm always in if it's Lizzie Kaplan. On my watch list, I talk about this show a lot, but I really want to highlight this last episode because it was so special. Abbott Elementary. Did you watch the last week with the dance? I heard about it, but I am currently in New York traveling for like press and stuff. And so like Quinta, I think, texted you guys should watch this Abbott Elementary live. And I'm literally on my way to LAX. And I'm like, Heifer, you need to send yeah. that, that, that like missive out the day before. The Especially day before. on Twitter, knowing yeah. that we ain't on there like that anymore. Like, you need to send that message out on Monday. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So we know how to make plans, girl. I got Hulu <laughs> delay. I could have made this happen, but not now. No, so I didn't see it. You know, we've all been wondering where this tension, Janine Gregory's going to go. And there was such payoff. We don't do spoilers here, so I and I, I won't spoil it. There's just probably my favorite Ava line of the year that I like need on a T-shirt. That's enough to make you want to go watch. So I, that's what I'll say. That's all I'll say. The latest I'm at is the episode where Ava was substitute teaching for... Um, Janine. And I think yes. I, I love that it was like a blatant Emmy campaign episode for Janelle James because oh, yeah. I, I think she very much deserves it. I think she's funny as a regular stand-up comedian human. All her specials on Netflix, fantastic. But fantastic. I feel like it definitely was such a good showcase of how she is exactly this principal and is driving a lot of the comedy on that show. Can we just admit that everyone at Abbott Elementary were like, yeah, we get it. It's Shirley Ralph, so we're going to let her have her moment. It, but like, mm-hmm. let's be real, let's right? Be real on where they thought that we should have went. Like, I think all of them went there. Like, okay, we this get how it. We do this. Like, like you know the. So you're the star of the show. We get it. But like, are you really like? Come on, she's the Michael Scott, and in on the Office, yeah, it's just weird that in this show, the person who. Literally, like, Quinta, based on everything else, should have played the Janine-type character, but that's not her personality. So, like, I get why they write it differently, but, like, again, the show lives and dies by that character. It's the same thing. It's perfect. I got to do a piece on it where, you know, because a lot of people were saying, like, she's the Michael Scott, she's, like, the Ron Swanson. And I was like, yeah, sure, if you need to, like, slot it into those categories. But it's the way that she's turned that into something totally unique and different. You know, like, I am never waiting for the moment when she, like, kind of gets soft. Like, she's willing to let Ava be as ridiculous as she wants to take the character, as selfish as she wants to do it. You know, there's no need to soften it or be like, oh, I need her to be, like, super likable or to be a good role model for for principals everywhere. I feel like the two people who catch the camera the best are Ava and Gregory. Yeah. The way they do that quick, like, turn to the camera... And Ava does it with such sass. It is perfection. It's, yeah, and just so fast and so smooth. Mm-hmm. You know, it's so funny about that. If you look at who those characters are, because traveling comics and child actors, when you think about the reps yes. that he has compared to anybody else, he's got more hours in television yeah, than, than anybody, anybody else yeah. on that show combined. Even he's been on Sesame Street, okay? You know what I'm saying? 
So when you think about that, it's like, oh, no, these are people that literally like the camera is just another person in the room. Yeah, they're just like they know how to communicate with it. Uh, I love it. Uh, anything else on your watch list? Anything you want to highlight? I'll highlight Rami. I Ooh. don't think I've seen a better show this year. And I've been like ride or die for that show since it first came out. And this was another one where I really do think that Rami Yusuf is a genius. The fact that he he acts it so well, the storylines that are very funny but incredibly complex, like it, there was a lot to learn from this most recent season. And I love that he was barely in it. And I say that because it was yeah. it was a great showcase for every single one of the supporting characters, including his sister, oh, the who sister. is like navigating yeah. what it's like to try to be a lawyer. And now her parents want her to find love. Does she find love? Is she doing it Maybe. for the right reasons? And just like how... Maybe she finds like a total religious hottie. That's all of them. <laughs> right. I mean, I mean, Rami did that. We saw how well that went, though. Yeah, mm-hmm. we did see how well that went. Yeah. I will say I missed Mr. Mahershala Ali. I wish he was here in this most recent season. He was not. Um, but the that was one of those shows where I couldn't hit the next episode button fast enough. Um, and I think they they released it all at the same time. So I will forever be the person who will stand on the rooftops and shout that, that Rami was it, probably the the type of prestige television that we don't get as often now with these streaming services. Yeah, mm. absolutely. Always happy to shout out Rami, friend of the podcast. That's pretty much all I had on my watch list. I also got to wrap up uh, Welcome to Flash, which I just, oh, the second season has been so much better than the first. It's one of those shows that's pulling a real Parks and Rec where they have just like found a new tone, a new center. You can kind of tell they retooled it. I'm loving it. It's it's this one of the, the shows John I started. Ham. This is the new uh, John Hamm one, right? No, no, no. That That is uh, Fletch something. But this is Welcome to Fletch. It's a Fox show uh, oh. starring Holmes, who is an amazing comedian and another friend of the podcast and of just me. Jamie Presley is in it. It's about this like small town and it's very just it's like a fake documentary. It's, you know, I like it. it it's found a really yeah, it's found a really silly kind of rhythm. So you know, if you like to watch a show that's been retooled, which sometimes it's fun to study, you know, like Parks and Rec, watching how that changed. You watch season one, season two, you literally see them like go to actors and be like, let's not do that accent anymore. <laughs> and it just like slowly fades away. <laughs> so I always love that. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. so we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to come back with our favorite shows of 2022 and what we're excited for for next year. There are over 75 million monthly Tubi viewers. That's more people than there are influencers on the internet. Which means Tubi is more popular than sponsored posts for digestive enzymes and high coverage foundation. More popular than soft launching your boyfriend. More popular than making boomers explode with rage when you tell them how much you make on a single post. Tubi, it's more popular than influencers. See you in there. Remember the Thai cave rescue? What about the mission depicted in Black Hawk Down or the epic rescue shown in Captain Phillips? You've probably heard of all of these, but did you know that the U.S. Air Force Special Warfare played a pivotal role in all of them? These airmen are the most highly trained warriors on the planet. Other forces like the SEALs and Army Rangers call on them to provide skills no one else can. Not many people make the cut. If you think you can, visit airforce.com to learn more. 
And we're back. Uh, just, this has been such a good TV conversation. You're both blowing my minds. Mm. You've just, like, I have all these questions. I'm like, why is it? And you're like, duh, because this way. So <laughs> I'm so excited <laughs> to get into your 2022 list and opinions. Uh, let's start with Jacqueline. What did you love this year? Man, I loved a lot this year, but I think both my Twitter bio and my all-around uh, internet persona would be remiss if I didn't start with uh, Bill Hader and Barry. Um, I just mm. think that, again, you can debate about whether or not they get to skate over over the fact that it happens to be a really funny drama and just a really awful character study on the awfulness of humanity that happens to be funny. So fight that with the wall, but it is brilliant. And I really love that Bill Hader, who's a guy who I think has more talent than he has direction in the sense, I'm joking about this, in the sense that you point him at any problem and the talent that he has is going to overflow. This was a guy that used to punch up jokes on South Park, did SNL, and is also like a huge classic film aficionado. So like this is a guy that really is not held by like, this is what you're supposed to do. Like he fell into being a funny and competent improviser and then parlayed ah. that into being on SNL. He fell into, you know, being a competent TV director, which I think he's going to probably parlay into, you know, eventually directing uh, something films, that's up for yeah. Oscars. Exactly. So this last season of Barry was absolutely incredible. The way that it examines Hollywood for all of its faults is what, no offense, maybe an Oscar caliber movie or Oscar aspirational movie about old Hollywood wishes that it was. Barry did it in a funny, smart, and really authentic way. And like, look at what they're doing to Henry Winkler, a man that we have oh, seen yeah. on our screens for decades. Since and, childhood. And he is able to give him an entire new breath of what that person is able to do on screen as both a comedic yeah. and dramatic actor. Like legit, like showing the depth of Henry Winkler this late. Come on, kids. Anyway, can't, yeah. can't. Can't talk enough about Barry. See, and that's why you're here, because you just said everything that I would just be like. He's got he's just got like a real big dick energy, like a confidence. He knows what he's <laughs> oh doing. Oh my God. I'm so glad you said that. I mean, let's just I look at the list. He's dated Ali Wong. Like <laughs> yes, I mean Ali. No, Bill Hader really, and this is the thing I look at it. Well, first of all, like at the Emmys this year, which they called they got him there just for him to lose. Like lose, he was which, so on some Beyonce energy at that inter- at that yeah. Emmys. Like, Y'all just got me here to show up and let me lose. He had a mask on. He had a mask on. Few celebrities doing that. And I said that night, I was like, this is soft top energy, which is exactly what you're saying, but you're quiet about it. Like, it's that confidence that, like, you can't really quantify, but you're like, to be in that room and just be like, yeah, I'm going to wear my mask. And none of you are going to make me feel anything less than what I am about it. Like, that is a man that has been to therapy. He knows... Uh. He knows where his kids' pediatricians' names are. Like, that is a man that yes. is, like, maybe not all the way healed, but damn, he's trying, which but is he's better trying. than most. He's, he's better trying. than most. <laughs> oh, yes. You broke it down. Amen. Just sorry. <laughs> Hallelujah. Whew. Yeah. So, like, to, to ta- tackle on to the, the soft top energy, I love Noho Hank. I think yes. his, oh my gosh, Noho his Hank. arc this most recent season was fabulous right yes. like he he always is that comic relief character but the amount of dramatic attention that he was giving that character this season was beyond and i i think 
I don't remember if Bill Hader directed this episode. I know he directed the first episode, that like complete wacko episode where he gets like attacked by a child and then they have like a fight sequence in the the grocery store. But in this most recent season, that uh, motorcycle chase that was just so thrilling that ended on the top of that car dealership, whatever it was. Yeah. Like that's insane. It's so well done and executed. And he lost. I think he lost to Hacks, which, yeah. no offense for female directors. No offense, love female directors. For the love like, Hacks. But no, that no. episode as a whole and the way it ends, that was an Emmy. It was that an was Emmy. more than an Emmy, girl. That was an Oscar. Like, again, yeah, it was an there's Oscar. A, there's a great YouTube video where they pull all of the side by sides compared. He was that freeway chase. He is living in his Preston Sturge's energy for yes. everything that it is worth, girl. Like, yeah. and just, uh, it, he's it's incredible. So- and yeah, I just, I'm afraid they're going to pull like a better call Saul and it, Barry won't get what it deserves while it's on the air. And it'll, I don't, you know, I don't disagree with you on that one yeah. because I don't even know if the new overlords over that show really understand what it is because that's a show where they let it just do what it does and they yeah. have some pretty good budget. Don't know if they're going to be vibing with that. Yeah. It's like, it's still one of those like weird peripheral shows. It's still, even though it's popular and it is popular, but it's still like, there's a lot of unlikable characters. So that's not a show everyone shows up for every year. Yeah. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't make you feel good. It's no Ted Lasso. And then they keep putting it in the comedy category and you're like, I mean, it is funny. (laughs) It's funny, but it's funny in this. It's not funny, funny, ha ha. It's funny, funny. This is the downfall of society. Society. You have nothing to do but to laugh. This is what I was saying about like the darkness of what we went to this year. Ah, yeah. Barry's perfect. Also on my list, Jorge, what do you got? I I know only because it just ended, but this new season of The White Lotus was one of those where I, I'm not an anxious person, but I was anxious watching each and every one of those episodes. Yes. Not that I was going to find out who died through in episodes one through six. Like, mm, I, we knew that wasn't going to happen. But I think... So I I feel like I did this wrong in that I was I made the assumption that season one of the White Lotus was about white privilege and season two is about male privilege, not so much the sexual politics that I think Mike White has said that it is about, but I still feel like it is about male privilege because yeah. every single man character who's there has made certain decisions that you're like eh. That comes with your uh, gender sexual identification, but Jacqueline feels a little differently. Ooh, yeah. No, no, I think you're right. The problem oh, too, is, yeah. the problem is, is that male politics are sexual politics because that is the only That's power it. that they really believe women believe have. in. Yeah, that women have. They believe men can have intellectual power, physical power. Any of that. But the only power that men believe women have are sexual power. So that's why I think it appears to people that have been objectified that way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm very much, I, <laughs> I feel like actually we had this conversation about like who's going to die. Um, and at this point we, we will have known who has died, but I, I feel like there's, there's so much nuance in each of, like, I don't know how Mike White writes the, the dialogue for this show and packs in so much that you then have to decompress about once the episode's over. Yeah. Like even just the exchange it's, between yeah. uh, the grandpa and then I keep forgetting his name, but Christopher from The Sopranos. Oh, yeah, Michael yeah, Carlioli. Yes. Yeah, yeah. We can just call him Christopher. Albie. <laughs> and Christopher, Albie. Right? Yeah. Christopher. Um, but there is that sequence where the grandpa says, 
you're just mad at us. Or I'm paraphrasing, but something about like the nostalgia, and now you're mad at us because we're living this nostalgia, and you're starting to recognize that it was wrong. Yeah. So like, there's so much to to unpack about generational trauma, generational politics, and and why people continue to operate in the, in the way that they do, and how they don't think you can be mad at them because of where their lived experience has taken them. And I think that was very much grandpa. And I kind of love him for that because I I think the grandpa, I think a lot of people forget that like, that's an Oscar winner right there. Like that's somebody who. An Oscar winner. I've loved his performance. Yeah. He's been quite great. Uh, the generational issues with it. The weird thing is, is the Theo James character. I loved, loved, loved his character because I just loved seeing him for the creep I've always thought he was. Like, he's always played these, like, very, like, nice-ish guys that seem to be trapped by maybe, like, a lofty surroundings, you know, raised in a form of privilege in a, in a desperate place type dude. But I have always been, like, the roles they gave Jamie Dorden, like you should have played. There is yeah. something inherently yeah. privileged and creepy about him. Yeah, like he's a frat boy who would murder someone and everyone Girl. would be like, not him. Oh, he, <laughs> he volunteers every weekend. Thank you. He gives off Ted Bundy energy, but from across the pond. Oh, yeah. So I have loved his performance. I know this season of White Lotus wasn't kind of critically acclaimed. It, it When it came out, people were like, oh, it's disappointing. I've loved it more than the first season. It feels so lush. I just love what they're doing with everyone. I feel like in the first season, a lot of people just kind of bothered me. I would hate some of the sidetracks. This season, I'm all in on everybody. I'm like, let's go. Even as much as as much as I hate Portia, you know, and I do think there is a generational story there between like uh, Portia and oh, what is her name? Trish? I, Jennifer. Tanya. Tanya. Mm-hmm. Tanya and Portia. <laughs> she and could I, be a Trish. Yeah. I, don't, I think it's really interesting. Obviously, I, I hate Portia's clothing and outfits. And there's such an interesting parallel between her and Tanya. And I don't, Tanya is like, oh, I want to like recreate these elegant Italian moments and look so beautiful. And then Portia's like, I want to recreate the ugliest look I've ever seen on TikTok because that's what I think is cool. <laughs> and Wow. Yeah, I feel like there was a meme where it was like Portia looking for her outfits, and it's like a Lizzie McGuire yeah. game thing, <laughs> like, like from the nineties. Yeah, I said yeah. she looks like she's trying to recreate a Delia's catalog from memory. Like it's, <laughs> I hate every single thing she wears, and I don't like her as a character. I think she's the villain. Every bad thing, it's her fault. I love that the the through line for everything in that show is Lucia or Lucia? I keep, I don't know the, the right oh, way to pronounce uh, Yeah, it. I think Lucia. I don't know. Lucia, the, the brunette sex worker. Um, because it tied everything together. And yeah. I think it just says quite a bit about kind of what Jacqueline was saying about the, the sexual politics and it being male politics and like all those things are intertwined. How this one person really was on in all the plot lines, all the storylines, and impacted every single human being. And the reason for that, because she was just trying to do what she needed to do to survive. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, so I yeah, I, I feel like that show was exactly the reason why I was so enamored by the first season. Like there's just a lot happening that I I'm glad that it makes me think. As as beautiful as it's been, as lush as it's been it really forces me to have those conversations afterward about like, wow, men are the worst, aren't we? 
Yeah. <laughs> and then just like sit in yeah, that for yeah. a while. And I love that Mike White's giving us that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I said this to someone the other day, is I said this to someone the other day. I said, what men really, really just cannot get is that if you're a woman and you are afraid of men as a concept, that is not a prejudicial thing. That is based statistically on good evidence. On and like good that, evidence. you know what I mean? Like statistically, if I'm going to be hurt, it's going to be probably by a man who is either physically attracted to me or at one point said he loved me more than likely. More than likely. Like, like legit. If you're a woman, yeah. like how can you not? Like that's just evidence. It'd be like, you know what? The natural predator of the rabbit is this thing. But is we this. should just treat all of those things like nothing else because, you know, they like yeah. rabbits some of the time. No. Some of the time. Yeah, no. My <laughs> friends always like get mad because I'll be like, you know, when some man eventually gets mad and kills me, uh, and I always say it, and they'll just be like, don't say that. You don't know that's going to happen. <laughs> I'm like, that no, into no, the universe. Yeah, statistically. I mean, statistically, I'm going to say something. I'm going to be like, ah, and they're going to be like, ah, oh. <laughs> it's, you know, yeah. <laughs> it is. I think people forget that in the in the day and age that we're in, that a lot of folks are constantly survival minded. And it's hard to to come to the truth of that when you're watching something that's meant for entertainment. So most of the female-identified characters in The White Lotus are trying to survive. And I think because the the male characters are looking to just have fun, or at least that's the portrayal of it, it's weird to try to figure out how those two interlock. Yeah. Yeah. My best of the year. And one of my best of the year, but just I'm highlighting it now because I don't think it got enough attention in its in its final season. Atlanta, uh, a show that changed the trajectory of television, came to a conclusion and it was like a, a tree fell in the forest and nobody cared or and people saw it and still were like, did I hear it? I, it just kind of came and went and I thought it would have more impact, more conversation, more just everything around it. And I actually thought this last season was great. Probably one of their best, but I think season three just, you know, a lot of people felt burned and they didn't come back. I think a lot of people felt burned. Also, I think FX, I, I still to this day say they are still pissed about that Deadpool situation and the way they sort of treated this show when it came out this year, very much to me. I mean, how many billboards? I don't know where you guys are, but I didn't see a ton of billboards about that show. I didn't see a ton of them. You know what I mean? Like, it just felt yeah, like, the, like they the, were done it wasn't with everywhere. him. Yeah, they were yeah, like done. They, they were done they, with yeah, him. Yeah, it you. didn't get a lot of promotion. Uh, I really, I feel like the day of, I started getting ads on Hulu that were like, Atlanta's back. And I was like, oh, shouldn't there have been articles or interviews or things? anything about this and i know donald glover would do an interview he loves to talk yeah. i'm sure he was probably down he loves so yeah there just was no real press and it was such a funny season the ending the final episode it is so hard to end a show properly and it, it might be one of my new favorite finales of all time like it's definitely on my top 10 list the way they brought it all together and just just in a very atlanta way cleaned it up like kept it moving and just also kept it funny. It, and was, listen it to great. feedback. And listen yeah. to feedback. That and was the one feedback. thing. Because that one's been done for a little bit now. Yeah, I think, yeah. Because I saw the premiere episode at South By and I've caught up on that one. That was luckily I had, I guess, the summer to get through it. But anything that you complained about in the last season, they either they cleaned it up or they already intended to clean it up, which is Yeah, the or they already did. 
the unfortunate side effect of a show that you, because they did this one together. Like they knew where they were going, even if the audience didn't. Exactly. And I think they thought the audience would have more faith and trust. And people were like, you were gone for like two and a half years, bro. Like, we don't even know who you are anymore. I was going to say, that's the sucky part. When when you're gone for so long and you've had streaming, you've had Paramount Plus come out with stuff. You've had Hulu come out with stuff. You've had Netflix come out with stuff. You've had all the pluses come out with stuff. Like, there's just an overabundance of content that the fans that you would have already developed have now become fans of other things. And there's only so many hours in the day and there's only so many different content like that you can actually process and digest, which sucks because like when you see creative, when you see creativity happen and when you see creativity have been so well received before, you just wish that it carries on. But our yeah. our mental capacity isn't what it used to be. It is two years ago. You know? Yeah. Facts. And there's a TikTok performance. TikTok has killed all of our brains. <laughs> yeah, there's a performance in the finale. It's like a woman who just is one character, one off. And she deserves an Emmy just for this one scene. It is one of the funniest, just like one-off moments I've ever seen in television. And I just think that show in its final year should have got more attention. It wasn't even on most people's like best of the year list. You know, I think also Donald burned a lot of people when he was like, Oh, the season three is better than The Sopranos. <laughs> and people were like, buddy, you can't just say that. You can't just you say really your show's better than that. The Sopranos. <laughs> like, no, come on. There are over 75 million monthly Tubi viewers. That's more people than there are golden retrievers which means Tubi is more popular than using meat-flavored toothpaste. More popular than never figuring out what W-A-L-K spells. More popular than kicking your leg when a human rubs your belly just right. Tubi, it's more popular than golden retrievers. See you in there. Remember the Thai cave rescue? What about the mission depicted in Black Hawk Down or the epic rescue shown in Captain Phillips? You've probably heard of all of these, but did you know that the U.S. Air Force Special Warfare played a pivotal role in all of them? These airmen are the most highly trained warriors on the planet. Other forces like the SEALs and Army Rangers call on them to provide skills no one else can. Not many people make the cut. If you think you can, visit AirForce.com to learn more. Let's get into what we are excited for for next year. I'm really, really excited for the Clone High reboot, which we should finally be getting next year. Clone High, uh, which if you don't remember, was a show that that premiered all the way back in 2002. It's a Bill Lawrence, Phil Lord, Christopher Miller show. You know, I'm a big fan of Bill Lawrence. And it was basically about a group of high school teens that are the products of this government secret experiment where they cloned famous people. And then they sent all of the famous teen clones to a clone high, like clone of high school. So, you know, it's like a teen Abraham Lincoln and a teen Cleopatra, and it's very, very funny adult animated show. Did not even know that. Did not know that. <laughs> it seems like it's actually happening. Uh, people were afraid with the new overlords at HBO Max that it was going to get, you know, just canceled, ended. They seem to hate adult animation over there now. Uh, so people thought, oh, they're probably going to pull the plug on this. But it had already been greenlit for two seasons. So nobody knew. Scripts had been written. Voices had been recorded. 
Uh, and it seems like it's actually going to happen. They finally like started putting out ads of like the characters defrosting. Uh, if you know the finale from years ago, they end all frozen. Uh, but Clone High is one of my favorite adult animated shows. It's the show that made me fall in love with that as like a genre. So I can't wait to see it come back. I am 100% disappointed I'm not involved as a comedian and history major. But, you know, that, you know, I'm excited to watch it. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, and also shout out and let them know. Be like, you missed out on a good you one. Did. You, you did. You could have had a bad bitch. No you could have had a bad bitch with a, <laughs> with a German history, history degree. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. German history degree. Pretty what? relevant now, huh? I mean, seriously, though, if we would have followed their playbook, we wouldn't be here. Jesus. See? <laughs> Sorry. I literally just read about that. Um, I wish I knew better. Um, I would say this one, um, two things. Um, I'm a little bit my sci-fi bag, I guess, if you will. But I was the one person that kind of dug Shadow and Bone. And I'm like really excited to get Ben Barnes with his fine behind back here. Uh, but the but the main one that I'm like excited for is Kindred. Which, oh, yeah. like, Octavia, I just read that book. And I know I should like retrieve my like, black girl card because I should has been out for, for a while now. Like, I feel like every Black girl watched that at least five years ago or read that at least a couple years ago. So I'm finally, uh, finally read that one and I can't wait for that show. So those are the two I'm excited about. I only read it in 2020. So. I mean, that's still better than most because that was like the uh, Black Girl still. Book Award prize for like Yeah, but 2020, entire... it's like everybody's kind of like, oh, you read it in 2020? Girl, I read it in 2022. So like, let's see. <laughs> I mean, I literally just finished this mess getting ready for some stuff. I suck. I know. <laughs> but I, yeah, I'm so excited for that show. So I'll say two, one, just because they're two different genres. So I am obsessed with all things RuPaul's Drag Race. I think the, as much as I feel like Ru is phoning it in as a host, like she's got her Emmys. She doesn't care anymore. She's making her money. She's yeah. globalization of drag race is a case study in and of itself. But as a queer person, as a queer person of color, I love the celebration of queer art, of queer artistry in the way that they do it on the show. So I'm excited to see what the next season's going to hold. Uh, and I'll be that person who says, I'm actually looking forward to what And Just Like That does in the second season. Mm. Because I think that there were certain things that, I, I hope that they listened to what people criticized about it the first time around, which is when you take these older shows and put it into a modern age, you try to over like the overwokeness, like where it's so much, yeah. like it's very heavy handed. Like, it's like, we don't oh. need this. Oh, by the way, that is a, that is absolutely a specific white people writing for the times issue. The black yeah. folks do not have don't that care. issue. Yeah, it's or not like, like, I yeah. should say less established TV people. Basically when you used to be able to write when you could write whatever and never care about the repercussions, those people don't know how to write now with the no. level of like it, emotional intelligence. Yeah. Yeah. Also, I will say, and just like that on my list too, by the way. I'm mm, so excited yeah. for next season. I'm going to well, let y'all have that one. <laughs> I need to see what happens with Che Diaz. I, I think I need it's to know. so upsetting that Miranda, I think the reason people hate on Che Diaz is because of their own feelings about Miranda. Che Diaz was a straight up character who knew exactly who they were and made no bones about it. And the reason people were like, oh, Chady is this, Chady is that, is because they do not like how Miranda was like figuring into Che's orbit, um, knowing that Steve was there the whole time. And I'm looking at Ashley's face and I feel like she might not agree. I mean, I kind of agree because we all love Steve. So it was like, oh, fuck her. Like, fuck Miranda for like screwing Steve doing over. Doing this to this human. Yeah, to doing this to Steve. But for me, 
I just started disliking Che the second Che is in an elevator. They pull out like a pipe and they take a hit of of weed from a pipe in an elevator and then they just put it away like that's a normal thing people do. And then there's another part where they're talking like to Miranda. Like a light pipe? Or like, a li- like a light pipe, like mm-hmm. with a lighter pipe. Taken and then they're like at a party talking to Miranda and they're like, "Oh, you know that I oh I you know that I smoked so much of the weed today." And they legit say like the <laughs> weed, and I was like, "I can't take this character seriously ever." It was I I will say it was it was a lot right. You gave Charlotte her her black friend and then talking <laughs> about the dynamics of what it's like to be in this like interracial friendship. You gave Carrie her the problems of Charlotte are so deep. Right. <laughs> Sorry, so, so deep. I just can't. Keep going. You gave Sorry. you gave uh Miranda her non-binary Latinx lover. You gave Carrie her Indian American realtor. You gave Charlotte the yeah. you know transgender daughter or transgender child. Like it was just a lot. Yeah, and also black friend. So yes. Yeah, Charlotte also dealt with the whole black friend and being the only white person at dinner. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, troubles, I can't wait the for it to come back. Charlotte. The troubles <laughs> <Yeah>. of Charlotte. The troubles of Charlotte. Look, y'all are not making an endorsement for the show because this that, is it's not, Oh, no. It's like a pure hate watch. Like, if you're okay. not in, don't get in. Okay. Like, yes. we're in. I feel like I've invested yeah. so much so of my much. time and energy okay. into the Sex and the City yeah. saga. And for me, and, yeah, I binged the... I had never watched it. I binged the whole show over quarantine, whole thing. And then as I finished and just like that came out and it was just like a natural stepping stone. And now I'm in forever. I can't until the wheels fall off. Let me just say, if I'm looking for a level of mess that borders on this, because everything about the show, it does seem entertaining. But if I'm going to go for this level of mess and it's on HBO, I'm going to watch the new Nicki Minaj docuseries that apparently is happening sometime next year. Oh, yeah. Because that, because oh, that is wow. literally like where I'm like, yeah. if I'm going to go see some mess, I'm going to come to the woman that is just manufacturing that yeah, on a I daily ex- basis. I, I am excited to watch that. Uh, How many times do you think she shades Cardi without saying her name? Because I oh. want a drink counter on that. Because I yeah. think you would oh, be I've, I'm down to play that game with you. I'm 100% down. Episode one. Episode, How many times I'm will she bring times. up the pickle juice? Yeah. Uh, will there be pickle juice mentioned? In like, this documentary. <laughs> absolutely. Uh, in messy documentaries on my list, uh, the Glee documentary on investigation <gasps> discovery, uh, The Danger of Glee comes out in January. I'm excited. I, what was that show, though, man? I really feel like we owe everyone on that apology because I feel there's nobody that came out of that situation. Like, uh, okay, Ryan Murphy yeah. is the Josh Wheaton of our time. Exactly. And that's why I'm interested in this. A lot of people are upset because they feel it is exploitative and is, you know, ma- taking advantage of Corey and Naya's deaths. And they're upset. And also that they're going into the one who was, you know, pedophile. I don't even remember his name. But... <laughs> You know, people are like, oh, it's horrible. They're conflating all three of these things. And I'm like, no, I think it's going to be more about how Ryan Murphy runs a show and what kind of allowed all of this to happen. Like, what is happening that the lead of your show isn't able to get the help that he needs? Like, what is happening that someone who had a record and issues was, like, on the cast and able to, like, leverage that to even more fame that he could use to take advantage of people you know, that's what I'm interested in seeing. And yeah, the Naya part does seem just exploitative because that was an accident and she's a sweet angel. 
but know. yeah, you know, I think, I think the, there, there yeah. has to be like a person you root for in the tragedy. I mean, honestly, I think they also are using it as free reign to bash Leah Michelle, which is like the yes. undercurrent of all of this. Yes. And she was also the best target for that because like nobody else has targeted her. Because like, let's be real, she seems to be the only one that's having a level of fame consistent yeah. know, after the show. So I see why they're like, let's not go after her. She seems the only one that's making work. She can make our life make it work. Yeah, I'll say I'll say two point five people have have kind oh, of. Oh, sorry, been uh, able Darren to get Chris, up. Darren Chris, too. Yeah. Oh, I didn't even include him. Oh. I was thinking. <laughs> um, I, was I, thinking did, I wouldn't include weirdly him. Enough, but I guess yeah, American Horror Story. Chris Colfer has written so many books and is like on that book train. He's oh. written all these magical oh. sci-fi fantasy books. He's like. I don't need y'all's money. I'm gonna go okay. make. Mo- I'm gonna go make book money. I love um, that. Second person, Amber Riley. Amber Riley, who was on Z Way last week. But Amber Riley was always the most talented person on that show. Yeah, <laughs> it's like it's like by far. And that's the shadiest thing about all of it. The two women of color, I would say, were the two most talented people. Most and the talented two people, people. Most overlooked. Most yeah. Overlooked. Most overlooked. If there's just one interview or just a few shots of people in the documentary going. I mean, I never saw Leah Reed. I ne- I never saw. <laughs> I never saw her touch her script. I never the, saw her read the personally. Best then I will be so happy. The best is her quote unquote fans, like her actual people that are going <laughs> that to funny like her. girl that like her that are in the comments trying to let her know how much they like the show with the with emojis. <laughs> Mm-hmm. These are your fans. Your These fans. are your fans. And then they'll let her know and they'll be like, fan. <laughs> Leave a fan. <laughs> Signed fan. Fan. Oh, I love it. I feel like we know a lot of the things coming out next year feel very like second, third season. Just kind of, you know, there's not a lot of new, new stuff that I'm excited for. So, well, I mean, also they're expecting this huge hiatus. So, like, I think with the exception of maybe like The Last of Us and a couple of other big things that are going to come early, everything else they're pushed into like 2024 because they're expecting this writer strike, right? Yeah, yeah. There's a bunch of stuff like animated stuff 2025 because everything's a mess. So we'll see. The Rotten Tomatoes has a new daily trivia game that is called Daily Tomato. Uh, It's kind of like Wordle, but for movies. And fun fact about me, never played Wordle. Did not get me during quarantine. Don't know how it works or what it is. Basically, Wordle is guess a five-letter word in five guesses. With Daily Tomato, we are guess a movie title in five guesses. Whereas in Wordle, does it give you any clues? It's just the five blanks. We at least give you clues. So, like, today's guess is the movie is one word, 99% certified fresh, 90% audience score. It is a comedy mystery thriller drama from 2019. You guys should get this one. This is a great one. It's one word, yeah. and it's from 2019, uh-huh. and it's, and a, it's comedy. a comedy mystery thriller I, drama. See, my thing with movies is I don't remember when they come out. Like, see, that's if but it just was remember, a TV it's a very, show. it's a very well, it's a very well known, very popular, 99 percent certified fresh, 90 percent uh, audience score. Damn, uh, I'm over here like knives out, but it's not <laughs> one word. It's not it's one, one word. word. I was <laughs> literally word. like, "What's that movie with the spinning dreidel thing and Leonardo DiCaprio?" <laughs> Inception. <laughs> I was like, "That didn't come out in 2019." Wait, how many letters is it? It doesn't tell you how many letters. It just tells okay, you this one word. word. 2019. I will tell you the movie was. An Oscar-nominated movie, and it won some stuff. Oh, oh, oh. 
Oh, what's that one with uh, Kiki Palmer was in it? No. Nope. And Cardi B. Oh, oh no. Hustlers. 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 That is a great guess. That's a that great guess, too. not it. I was like, was that nominated? Did it win? No. Uh, I actually got it on the first guess, um, and it was oh. Parasite. Oh. oh, but I only got it because when it said 99 and 90 percent, I just remember that Parasite was the top, top rated movie from that year. And anything that's that high and makes it to the end of the year that high that we would also like, you know, we're not going to give you obscure movie names up in here. These are fairly popular ones. So I was like, Parasite. <laughs> yeah. OK, Parasite's if I had good. looked at the second question, I would the second clue, I would have got it. So say if you didn't get it off the first guess where it's just the score, the year and that it's one word. They'll give you like the critics consensus, which, you know, for Parasite, you know, it would give you a description like, uh, let's see. Um, I'm trying to remember what it was or here. Urgently brilliant layered look at timely social issues. This film finds writer director Bong Joon-ho in near total command of his craft. That'd be like the next thing that you got. And, like, and then if you, that, uh, yeah, and then if you needed something else, <laughs> it would give you uh, stars this person or something like that. It just gives you as many clues as you need until finally it's like so obvious you can't get it. Yeah, until even nice. someone like me who doesn't watch movies could even figure it out, and that's yeah. what matters. <laughs> yep. Yep. Oh, yeah. that's so fun! I'm gonna do it. I want to. I I need to get better about movies. You know, sometimes they matter to the TV world. So maybe maybe I'll dig in. Yeah, uh, I want to thank you both for joining me. Thank you to my guests, Jacqueline and Jorge. Uh, I want to also plug your work. Check out Jacqueline's work on RottenTomatoes.com and try out the new Daily Tomato game. Uh, even though it is for movies, I will. I'll give my vouch. It's fun. Even, but, you know, maybe you can make one for TV. Uh, and check out Jorge's podcast and YouTube series with XO. Thank you so much for joining me today. And where can the people follow you? Uh, you can find me at that Jacqueline pretty much anywhere. So on the TikToks, on the, well, what's left of Twitter, <laughs> anywhere in between. And you can follow me at Jorge O, X-O-R-J-E-O on Twitter and then everything else with XO, especially on YouTube and on uh, wherever you listen to podcasts. Perfect. What a great episode. I want to thank my guests, Jacqueline Coley, Jorge Olivares. What a wonderful year of TV, and I'm even more excited about next year. Before you go, here's some homework. You should check out Matt Rogers in his new special, Have You Heard of Christmas? I love that for you on Showtime. Another one of my favorites this year that I just thought could have gotten more attention. Also starring Matt Rogers. That's your homework. Hint, hint for anybody we have coming up on the show. But Have You Heard of Christmas? So funny. So good. Watch it before the holidays and then come back here to me on TV I Say. We'll be back next week for another episode. TV I Say with Ashley Ray. Another episode, another episode. Of- TV I Say with Ashley Ray is an Earwolf production made by me, Ashley Ray Harris. It's engineered by Sam Kiefer and produced by Amelia Chapelo. And our original theme song is by Rafia. It means so much to me if you go rate, review, subscribe, follow TV I Say. Let us know what you think and tell your friends. Share with your golden girls. Tell your boys. If you love my TV recommendations, let everyone you know know. For special TV club members, join my Patreon. And you can also find my full archive ad-free episodes of TV I Say over on Stitcher Premium. Use promo code TV I Say, all one word, for a one-month free trial at stitcher.com slash premium. Escape to Ocean City, Maryland, 
and discover a place that just feels lighter. Where every day feels like Saturday and french fries are a food group. Where flip-flops are always in fashion and seafood is always in season. Where the boardwalk is bustling and the beach is right outside your door. Where you can rise with the tide and feel like a kid again. Ocean City, Maryland. Somewhere to smile about. Book your trip at Oceocean.com. Remember the Thai cave rescue? What about the mission depicted in Black Hawk Down or the epic rescue shown in Captain Phillips? You've probably heard of all of these, but did you know that the U.S. Air Force Special Warfare played a pivotal role in all of them? These airmen are the most highly trained warriors on the planet. Other forces like the SEALs and Army Rangers call on them to provide skills no one else can. Not many people make the cut. If you think you can, visit airforce.com to learn more.